Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Transitions can be very difficult. As many know, as many learned this morning. (laughs) But that's the purpose of a transition, right? Like when we move from point to point and you don't know the next point, there's a transition time. There's a time that we learn that what we used to do may not work the same in the new space or in the new point. Does that make sense? That's where we're at. Because what God has called us to is into whatever you want to call it, this next phase, next stage, whatever. I I don't have a good word for it, except that he has said in this stage, we're to learn how to go anywhere at a moment's notice. And (laughs) I got to tell you, I thought, this will be pretty easy. I mean, we're, we're fairly set up. We have good equipment for, you know, certainly for our size. We have everything kind of mobile anyways, and so it's going to be pretty easy. Have you ever gone into a transition that the Lord has you in where you thought, yeah, this will be pretty easy. Thank you for an easy one, Lord. Well, I was talking to him this morning after, after we were just having a lot of problems in here that were really cabling issues and stuff like that. I, I walked out and just was with the Lord and, you know, thought, well, maybe he'll give me the answer and I'll be able to come back in here and, and just, you know, give him the answer. And he said, no. He said, I'm just here to tell you that, yes, I'm allowing this. I'm going to allow it more. All the things that I've not allowed before Satan to come against, I'm going to in portion allow those things because we need to learn how to deal with them. We need to learn not only how to deal with them technologically and all that stuff, but in the spirit. Because what's it like when you go into a stadium filled with 50,000 people and all of a sudden you have some issues go on that are beyond technical issues? that are warfare issues, that are things that the enemy tries to change your perspective, tries to certainly pull you down. I think that's probably what Alexis was sensing, because the enemy does try and do that. He'll try and, especially on a Sunday morning, he'll try and distract me from, not even so much from what I'm going to say, because I have no idea what I'm going to say, but, but from my focus. You know, focusing on the Lord. And and this has been a transition for me because I've realized how spoiled I was before this. It kind of like had my own green room because it was my house. (laughs) And I was able to be there for hours just being with the Lord, just soaking him in, asking him what he wants. And and although that's awesome, it's not always going to be that way. Sometimes when you're on a battlefield, sometimes when, when you're in a position of movement, it's like, hear this now, because you're not going to hear it again. 
You need to be ready now. Because ten minutes from now, I'm going to need you to hear something else. And this isn't just me, guys. This is every one of us. This is all of us that he's moving in this direction. So, what I want to say is embrace the challenges. And maybe I'm far enough away from from you guys to not get slapped. (laughs) Because that's what I want to do do to myself. It's like the worst thing to say when you're in the middle of a challenge. But I'll tell you what. The challenges were dealt with this morning. You actually have sound here. I'm assuming and hopefully we have sound online. (laughs) Good. Thumbs up. Challenges were overcome. And it's important to recognize that. And people did a great job. You did a great job, Casey. The entire team here did a great job. And... I mean, I wish I could tell you there are not more challenges coming. (laughs) But in this transition period, there are. And in fact, I learned something this this, uh, past week. I didn't realize that this this building, we're in the Courtyard Marriott. I didn't realize that this building is owned by the University of Delaware. And apparently, because it's their building, they have a right to use it whenever they want. So they can call us whether we have a booking or not, and they could say, sorry, you're bumped. Had no idea until I got a call a couple days ago about a, a Tuesday that's, that's uh, coming up. So, again, things we deal with, right? And, and the fact of the matter is, we have to learn these things because in this transition, the Lord is teaching us to be mobile. We have never been, in, in all of the vision and everything that we are, we've never been, in my mind and in mind of others, a traditional church. One where we're going to find a place, get a building, get people, get a bigger building, get more people, get a bigger building, get more people. We're just not going to be that. You can erase, erase that out of your mind right now. I don't know what it looks like because we will have a local body. I, I know that. We already do. But it is for the purpose of outreach. It is for the purpose of moving out. Because in reality, God has called us to be a bridge. If he's called me in this and you're here, trust me, he's called you in this. We're to be a bridge to connect the bride. That isn't just the bride here in Newark or the bride in Delaware. It's the bride all over the world. And he began this process with us in Nigeria. As he said years and years ago, before it ever even started, he said, I will begin everything in Nigeria. And at at the time I was thinking like, you know, Maybe begin something or begin, you know, finite, this has begun, so it's over. No, it seems like just about everything that he has begun, he has begun there. Including the combining of other churches. That, that started really pretty quickly there and, and has ramped up. We, Michael had incredible meetings this past week in a different state. 
meeting people who are going to be very well connected over there in terms of bringing the bride together. So this is our calling. This is what we do. If the Lord has called us to these transitions, called us to this mobility, then he's giving us what we need for it. By the way, that means he's giving you what you need for it. You to be involved. You to have a, a portion, to have a piece in this. So, so don't... Um, I was going to say don't worry about, but don't, don't let the, the transition times affect you. Don't let the enemy come in and say, yeah, you know, it was so much easier in the house. I mean, because in reality, it, it probably was. And then soon enough, we'll be saying, yeah, man, it was so much easier in the hotel. <laughs> yeah, it was so much easier in our building, you know, this this tent stuff in the middle of somebody's cornfield is, is just difficult. And i got to tell you, I, I, I don't say that joking. That was the first vision I had years ago. As the Lord was revealing to me what his calling and ignition was, I, I got these visions of this insanely huge tent. And I, I don't know how, how but like a circus tent. It was this big white circus tent without the animals. I mean, there might have been a few animals manifesting, but it was without the animals. And it was in the middle of nowhere. I don't know where it was, but I asked the Lord at least the area, and he told me Kansas. I don't know how many have been to Kansas in here before. Okay, I've been through Kansas. I have stayed there. I've been there probably 20, at least 20 times. And it is, first of all, the most boring drive in the world. Field after field after field after field. And yet, that's where he's going to put these. I don't know what it will draw, but that's the vision I had. So, so be ready. If you think it's hard to get things all figured out here, you know, imagine in the middle of a cornfield. You know, hopefully the corn won't be there. That might make it tough. But be be excited for the transitions. Even the transitions in your life, because as he is transitioning us in this ministry, in this calling, that means he's transitioning each one of you. That means he is laying on your heart things that you need to be prepared for, things that you need to believe. Things that you need to have faith in. That's the tough one. That's the tough one. Is moving in a place of faith if you're not used to it. If you're used to it, you come to a point where you crave it. Where, you know, Lord, give me something new. Give me a vision. That's why he gives us visions. That's why he gives us prophecies. It's for the implantation of that faith. And so when he gives you something like that, or you hear something like that, that that you have agreement with, it gives you an excitement to pour that faith into. Because faith can be anybody's job. You don't have to be 
you know, technologically advanced. You don't have to be uh, physically capable. You don't have to be any of those things to believe. And do you know that is the basis in which he does everything, is our faith, our belief, our trust in him first, but then our trust in what he says in his word and what he leads in us directly. So be excited about these transitions. Be excited about what he's doing. And I'm, I'm going to pray again. I know online maybe you're saying, wait, that's like the third time. Well, you know, if you want to come on a Tuesday night, <laughs> you'll see that that's pretty normal. But let me pray again. Father, we worship you. I thank you for these people here. I thank you for those online. God, I thank you for hungry hearts that seek you and are open to listening to your heart. So God, as Wendy prayed, I pray the same. I pray your words come through me and none of my own. That you lay out your heart for your bride. Not just for this church and this portion of your bride, but your bride as a whole. God, because these bridges need to start being built. These ties need to start being strengthened. Father, you have told me, and this may be news to some listening, you have told me that you are going to dismantle all of the denominations in your bride. That's people, that's denominations that know you as Savior, but have fallen into a place of religious movement. Even now, you're doing that. Almost every day I see in the news where you're dismantling that. Not, not even the world, but your bride. So, Father, in place of that dismantling, I ask that you build these ties, build these bridges between your people. This is a much different time than it was 2,000 years ago. We have, this is a much different time than it was 50 years ago. Father, there is the capability that you have given now that this world, your bride, can be tied together as one. For the first time in history, we could see a pathway of that being possible, although everything is possible with you. But Father, I believe that that is why you have brought this technology in the last few decades. Because it's time. It's time for your bride to be ready. It's time for your bride to have a relationship with you. Because honestly, Father, you have waited long enough. You've waited long enough for the intimacy that you crave 
that you literally created Adam and Eve for. Well, Father, we stand in agreement with you. We say your will be done. This reading of your bride, let it be done in Jesus' name. We trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've heard it from prophets. We've, you've heard it here, certainly. Uh, it's not a real stretch to say that the Lord is shaking things up. <laughs> right? Just turn on your TV. Just turn on your radio. Is there radio news still? I guess there is, right? I've, I've not listened to the radio, I don't even know how long, in years and years and years. But if you just turn on the news, you see right away all the shaking that's been happening and been happening for quite a while now. What is the purpose of shaking? The purpose of shaking is to shake off that which is loose. Lord has said many times that he's shaking to make transparent that which is not sealed to the tree or to the vine. Right? We can look like we're attached. You ever see a piece of fruit that looks like it's attached, but you go and it's just so easy to pull off. If you were to shake it, it would, it would just come off. By the way, that could be dangerous under certain trees in Nigeria. There are big mango trees there. I've seen mangoes as big as a melon. And the trees 60, 70 feet high. That would be a dangerous thing to sit under as it's coming down. Just ask Anissa. Me, Anissa, and Alexis were sitting there and one dropped. Couldn't have been 10 feet from us. And I'm like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be sitting under this tree. Why? Because at a point, it was not secured into the branch. We're to be secured into the vine, it says in John chapter 15. Right? We're the branches. He is the vine. We're to be secured into that. And those who are not secure but put off this facade that they will be secure, he's shaking off. Because of that facade. Because people play church. People play conservative. People play Christian. And now the Lord's saying, no, this will become... Tra-. In fact, let, let's, let's go... Hold on, let me figure out where it is. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. The Lord gave a whole bunch of parables and and he was explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like. What his kingdom, the kingdom of the Christ is like. And in these parables, he he uh, explains several things. One of the ones that he talks about, which we'll talk about in a minute here, is seeds that he sows. Okay, but I want to read something first, because you know what? Actually, I want to go to Mark instead. Sorry, 
it, it's it's written in both, but Mark has a little bit more explanation to it. Turn turn to Mark check. Uh, Mark chapter 4. And we're talking about this transparency that he's bringing in the shaking. Right? The shaking is to see what doesn't hold on. It's to see what is, what is fake, if you will. So the transparency is to show what is not ready to move forward. You with me on that? Yes. And in that transparency, God is doing this first in his bride. And he has been doing it for a long time. That doesn't mean that now he's starting with the world and so he's done with the bride. He's not done with the bride by a long shot. He's not done with shaking the bride by a long shot. But in this... This transparency, it's because a light is supposed to be a light. A light is supposed to reflect what the light is coming from, but be seen by others. Now in Mark chapter 4, it says, let's start at verse 21. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. I want to stop there for a second because for any of you who have any age to you like I do, you know what it's been like the last 50 years. Where it, it, it makes sense that the world thinks they could get away with stuff. It makes sense that even Christians and pastors and leaders think that they could do stuff and get away with it. Why? Because they have in the eyes of the public. They certainly haven't with God. Be sure your sin will find you out. But it keeps rolling. It keeps rolling. Okay, one pops up over here, problem. Okay, that's covered over or that's gotten rid of because... It's the righteous thing to do, and then we put somebody else in place, and it just keeps churning and burning until now, until the last couple of years. When God says, no, the light has to come through now. It has to come through. Stop putting that light in a bush or putting it down on the ground where it isn't to show. It's supposed to be up on a pedestal. It's supposed to be loud. It's supposed to be seen. These are not the days for hiding anymore. If God keeps you hidden, that's one thing. But don't be afraid to step. Because that light has to shine. But guess what? What if, it, if that light isn't even being produced? Well, that's what God's talking about when he said nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. We know everything is seen in heaven. We know God sees everything. But I have news for you. In this day and age, in the reality of the time in which we live, it is going to be made manifest in the natural reality, in the natural world. That means the things 
that have been gotten away with for years will no longer be gotten away with. I'm not telling you anything new. God has been saying this for a couple of years now. And you see the effects of it. How often do you turn up the news and and watch another preacher fall? Watch another worship leader fall. Now, by the way, that does not mean that they are bad either. They have great targets on their back. Trust me, especially worship leaders. Especially worship leaders. Pray for your worship team. Pray for them because they have targets on their back. I know I was a worship leader for 15 years. And there are things that come against them to cause a fall that is very slippery to even see coming. I've known personally so many in the worship team world that have fallen and that it's destroyed their lives. In many cases, destroyed the church. So pray for them. But understand that we are in a time now where these things will not be hidden any longer. These things will not be kept from the light because the light has to be placed on a pedestal. Verse 23, if anyone hears, has ears to hear, let him hear. By the way, that should remind you of two chapters in Revelation. We won't go there, but it just that should spark a memory. Uh, Again, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, or with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. In other words, what he's saying is, you got to pay attention. you got to pay attention because the kingdom... Of Christ is here. Jesus already paid for it. It's paid for. It's here. In many ways, in most ways even, it's not manifest in the natural. But if you don't understand that it's here, and it is the real reality, then you're already working from a deficit. So what we hear is important. It says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. You are responsible for what you hear. Sorry about that. But it's true. You can choose to ignore. If somebody's about to say something from God, you could just la 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 and not hear. I mean, good luck with that one, too, because the Lord's going to put that accountability before you one way or another. But what you hear, you're responsible for. You're first responsible to make sure it's from the Lord. Whatever is said, whether it be prophecy and, and anything else, you take it to the Word of God and you prove it out. Don't ignore it because you're responsible for it. Because you heard it. Okay? You take it to the Word of God. 
You look at His character. You look at the character of the Word. You ask in your own relationship. The Holy Spirit inside of you will give you measure with that Word. Because the Holy Spirit is in sync with itself. Do you see what I'm saying? If there is a Word that is given by somebody we don't know, let's say a prophet that we don't know, and we don't know their life or anything else, Okay, but there's a word that we hear. Okay, how can you even quantify that? You can go before the Lord and ask Him about it. Because if that is a true prophet, and that prophet is filled with the Holy Spirit, then the Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you, will resonate with that. Because it's the same Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. Do you understand that? See, there are a lot of groups of churches. I grew up in one of these groups that decided it's easier just to shut all that down. No, we don't listen to prophets. We don't believe in prophets. We don't believe that the Lord speaks. We don't do any of that because it's easier not to deal with the figuring it out. Oh man, the problem with that is you're going to be left behind. Because you're still responsible for it. Do you get that? When you hear it in your ears, you are still responsible for the information. That's what it's saying here. And it says, with whatever measure you take that and you use it and you do something with it, it is going to affect your life in that measure. But then verse 25, it has a real tough part to that. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now let's go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. See, when we hear a word, when we read from His Word and the Lord speaks to us in His Word and we ignore it, it doesn't mean we're not responsible for it. We're still responsible for it. And the Lord gave a parable to this end. He talks about sowing seed. The seed here was no different. Same seed. Seed that was sown here. Seed that was sown here and here. In different types of ground. Same seed. It was the same word. Same word from his Bible, from the Bible, these 66 books. Same word from the Lord. That seed was the same seed. But let's just read through this. Uh, Let's see, Matthew 13. We're going to start at... Uh, let's start at verse 12. Because he, he, before that, he said why he does. Well, you know what? Just go back to 10. Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. 
But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest, oh, here's that glimmer of hope. Here's that ray of hope. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. These are not people... That God has just written off. He has not written off a portion of his bride. We know in Revelation chapter 3 it talks about the lukewarm and him spitting out the lukewarm. I'm going to remind you of a word. I think I shared this a couple of years ago, but it's a really tough word. I don't even like to say it because I know I'll get emails or texts. But understand, and and you can go before the Lord yourself and see if this is truth. But we are in the times of him spitting out the lukewarm. And that's not a small group of people. The Lord has shown me that it's two-thirds of the bride. He first revealed that to me in the book of Zechariah. You can go look it up. You know, because then I argued with him that, well, no, wait a second, that, that's supposed to be Israel. He said, no. He said, Israel's not my bride. So understand that it applies to us. Mm-hmm. It applies to what's going on right now. There is a spitting out of the lukewarm. And what is what does that entail? That entails those who hear, but choose to push it off, or choose not to understand, or choose not to dive in. It does not include those who pursue Him, who go after Him. But it is those who then make excuses in their mind as to what his word says. Twisted around, much like the churches that I grew up in, where, where they literally take a portion of it and say, well, let's just take this out because it's much easier to deal with. We can control things better. Hey, guys, let, let me say this to pastors out there that are listening. It's not your job to control it's not your job to control your church. It's not your job to set everything up. It's not your job to manage everything. It's your job to speak truth. It's your job to speak truth. And for those listening, it's your job to evaluate that truth, to receive that truth, like it says in Acts 17:11, with an open heart. And prove that which is right. Acts 17.11, write it down. You have a responsibility to be as the Bereans, because that's what they did. 
They received this word with an open heart and then proved it out of what they knew in the word, out of the character that's referenced in the word of God. But this idea that is so difficult to... I really accept is what it says further up where he is saying, you know, seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. But back in verse 12, for the one who has more will be given. The one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That refers back to Mark chapter 4. That said the same thing. And I want to just say something real quick about that part of it. What happens when we don't listen? What happens when we just focus on our natural lives? We just focus on, you know, what we know we could control, whether it be our career, um, you know, relationships, uh, which by the way, can't control those either. But whatever those things are, if, if we're just focused on that and, and pushing all the other things aside, we are still accountable for them. Right? You're still accountable for what you hear. You're still accountable for what the Bible teaches. Just because you don't open it doesn't mean you're not accountable to it. Don't, don't think that, well, if I ignore it, you know, I'm saved. I got my golden ticket. That's awesome. That's great. But that's just the beginning. Don't think you're not responsible for everything in here because you've already received the seal. That seal that you have accepted on your own by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior made you responsible for what He says. That's why there is something that will happen to the lukewarm. I mean, in reality, why is God going to spit them out? Why is He going to take them out? He could just separate them. He could just separate them out and let them be with the world. No, He can't. Because His justice goes off the gift that they received. The gift of eternal life that is already theirs that made them responsible for everything else. When you have that gift of eternal life, you are responsible for relationship with God. You're responsible to build with Him. Why did He send His Son to die for us in the first place, if not to restore the sweet fellowship that was there before the fall? That's exactly why. Because he desires not you to just be part of a good active church. He doesn't just desire for you to come on Sundays and worship and, you know, go to, go to Sunday class or whatever and just kind of connect and worship together. Those are all good things. But those are really an outflow of something else. That outflow is your responsibility, your personal relationship with Jesus. And when you are hearing and not walking in what he's saying, it just said here, 
He's going to start taking it away. He's going to start taking away what you do know. We have witnessed this over and over and over again. People that we knew for years that believed certain ways that when faced with truth chose not to believe. And now we see what is being taken from them. Now all of a sudden they don't believe certain things that Man, you believed this for 40 years. How do you not believe this now? When it's truth right here, it's because we're responsible for what we hear. We're responsible to do something with it. And by the way, each one in here, each one online, God has a pathway for you to use it. Some, some may be called to be preachers. Some may be called to do worship. Some may be called to be evangelists. Whatever. We're all called to something. We're all called to have a portion that is outside of this Sunday morning. We're all called certainly to a battlefield. And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because in this church we band together on the battlefield. I know Satan hates that. Good. You know, wait till he sees the entire bride doing that. I mean, not only will it defeat him, but it's going to just downright shove him off land, which is what's coming. You understand, when I say the readying of the bride, you understand what I mean, right? Yes, no, maybe? Okay, let, let me explain. And, and I, I won't go into huge depth. I'll, I'll encourage you to read Revelation chapter 3, verse 9, where it talks about the readying of the bride. There are other passages. I have other messages on that. But the eschatology of what's coming and where we're at right now is this time where God is purifying his bride. Pure, that's why we, call, we you hear the word remnant a lot. What is the remnant? Remnant are the ones who are the hot. Right? I mean, honestly, that's what it is. The remnant are those who are building and have built relationship with Jesus Christ, have this overwhelming desire in their heart to be with Him. In the reading of the bride, you, if, you, if you look, maybe, maybe, maybe the Lord will have me do something on this soon, but or again soon. In God's kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven that Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago, it was never intended for Satan to rule that kingdom. You understand that? See, right now, we just kind of separate that in our minds. We separate that and say, well, you know, this is the spirit realm, and this is the human realm. Which is true. It's kind of like spirit realm and extremely limited realm. That's really more the truth. And, and the thing is, we see that Satan rules in this natural realm so heavily, but when you become in tuned in the spirit realm, you recognize that God has so much more power than Satan. So what, why the difference? Why the difference? It's because God's not going to force his power on his people. 
without them engaging with him. Does that make sense? So what Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago was always intended for the church to rise up. And it's so funny now how, how the world, and even, even the bride for that matter, they, they quantify certain statements and they make them like these are bad. And I, I, was, I was hearing somebody this last week that, I can't remember where we heard it, maybe you can remind me, Alexis, but um, we, I think most here have heard about the seven mountains and what the seven mountains are, right? I mean, that's pretty simple. It's just a quantification of the different leadership points in the world, whether it be politics, whether it be business, whether it be media, you know, all these things. Just It's a cute way to quantify it, right? Well, now what you hear coming out is, is and I don't remember who, who it was against. If you remember, tell me. But, but it, it was this thing that came out against that, that this whole push now for the bride being in control and, and that the bride is supposed to rule the world and all this. This is this, is this seven mountains mystery mumbo jumbo. You know, this is, this is really not of God. This is just what somebody thought up to say that it's a way for us to take control. I mean, in a way, they're right. Because it was God who thought it up. <laughs> And it was God who designed the measure for his bride to take control. Don't let the church deceive you in what God is trying to show you. Because he will always have you believe by faith first. First and foremost. Every time in the word of God, God gave something to his child to believe before it happened. Look at Abraham waited 25 years. Same with David. Same with many others. I, I mean, we've experienced that here so many times and, and continue even now. Why? Because it is the faith that literally brightens that light. That light that is fueled by that faith is what shows others, shows the world, shows the dead Christians what God wants. That God wants this relationship. It's not just about you guys ruling the world. It's about Him ruling the world. And and what is this all about? This is all because His chosen people rejected Him. His chosen people, Israel, rejected him being king. Did that change his love for them? Absolutely not. He's head over heels in love with them. But it did change his tactic, although he knew ahead of time, obviously. You look at it. Romans 11.11 talks about it, where where Israel will become jealous seeing what God is doing with the bride, making it so clear that it is God doing it. That's also what Revelation 3.9 talks about. That it will become clear to the world who follows God and who does not, because His favor will be poured out on Him 
on them. That's what I mean when I, and others mean when they say the ruling of the bride in these seven mountains. Now, in reality, it's we'll call it twenty thousand mountains. I don't, I don't care. It's really the bride being so passionate for the Lord and being put into these positions to rule for the purpose, sole purpose of Christ ruling through them. Literally to show Israel, here's what I wanted to do with you. And what I still want to do with you. Because that's what the whole thousand year reign is about, is when Christ returns, he will take the seed of David. He will reign in the natural realm through Israel as being the head of the world. He won't just rule Israel. He'll rule the world. He'll come and take the place they thought he was going to take 2,000 years ago. But he is going to come and take that. That is not this time in which we're in. That's not what he does with his bride. His bride will be taken before that. His bride will be taken in the blink of an eye. We know it is the rapture. But his bride will not be taken until she's ready to be taken. These things are intended to come to pass first because it has to show Israel what God wanted to do with them. Be excited about that. Oh my goodness. Because... What you're really fighting against, you're not fighting against people. Ephesians 6 talks about that. We fight against principalities. We don't fight against flesh and blood. So when we're going against these people that are, you know, extremely liberal and whatever, man, learn how to look behind what is behind, look at what's behind them, not look at them directly. That's how God does it. God sees what (coughs) manages them by their own agreement, by the way. And that's the tough part. Because there does come a time when God says, there's no more time. When they have had opportunity up to a point and they didn't receive And then that door is closed for them. We are in that time. You see it. I know I prophesied this now going on two months ago. You're going to see it with Joe Biden. And he's not the only one. You're going to see it in others in the government. You're going to see it heavily in the bride. It's coming. But God's intent is not just to separate them, get rid of them. God's intent is to woo them. God's intent is is to want them to know who he is and to love and to choose him. And the beauty of this reading of the bride, I'm going to say one more thing about that. I'm so used to having a clock. Okay. I'm almost done, Alexis. I'm going to say one more thing about that. In this... Reading of the bride in the time in which we find ourselves now. God, he wants the world to know who he is, to accept his son. But more than that, more than just a person going to heaven, he 
wants passionate love from them. He wants one-on-one relationship with each and every one of them. Each and every one of us. That's why he's, he's effectively putting the bride in control. What does it mean for the bride to actually be in control? And maybe I don't know if maybe you've made this connection yet. It means that the enemy is pushed out. Right? It means that the enemy is pushed out. It doesn't mean that the enemy is still there and just kind of lurks in the shadow and stuff like that. No, taking land means the enemy is pushed out. There is coming a time on this earth in the natural realm where the enemy will not be in control of it any longer. I know that's, that's probably hard to accept, hard to understand, but it's coming. It is literally a reversal of the curse, which we've talked about many times. Bryn, Bryn has spoken to us about that. It's literally this reversal of the curse that happened back in Genesis chapter 3. All for the purpose of relationship with the Lord. This is coming. It is happening. And the enemy will be bound. Will be bound to be let go for a time. And that's what you will see when the bride is done. Just to finish out the eschatology of this. When the bride is done and she's ready, and the Lord is ready to take her back, and that rapture comes, he comes to meet his bride, the Holy Spirit will be taken off the earth because the Holy Spirit dwells in his bride. The Holy Spirit will be taken off the earth. That will be what has been holding back the heavy demonic, especially spirit of Antichrist. Those that have been bound that have been kicked off land, will be given free reign again. And it's for the purpose now, at that point, this is after we're gone, and I I don't want to be confusing to people here, this is after we're gone in the rapture, but at that point, then Satan will be able to rule again because he has nothing stopping him. We'll be gone, and it will be all about Israel at that point. That's what the tribulation is about. It's it's not about judging Israel. It's about judging the world in how they treat Israel. Okay? And and then, of course, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes, he takes David's throne, and, oh man, I, I just am excited for that day. Because it won't be the battle like what we have right now, where, you know, okay, we're dealing with this this thing, and we're praying for this person, praying deliverance. Now Jesus literally just comes and appears and says one word. And it crushes the enemy. Crushes them. And they're cast to the abyss for a thousand years. That's what's coming. When you hear that, you're responsible for it. You're responsible for these words. You're responsible because God has a purpose for you. Not just to absorb, not just to believe, although the faith is a big part of it, but to also speak. It's a time to believe and to speak. 
You talked about that. Yeah, yeah that's right. I was going to say that sounds really familiar. <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> but it's a time to believe and then speak. Come on. I know I'm, I'm thinking, hearing the getting ready is probably, we're probably on the thousandth time now that we've heard those words, getting ready, readying of the bride. And um, I, I think the thing that, Greg actually said it yesterday in the gifts meeting, one of the things we get so tripped up on is the word time. Time, it, there is, it takes time to be ready. We love the one and done. You know, when I was growing up, I used to love a revival service. And, and the mentality, not that God doesn't instantaneously do things, but it used to be that you could walk down the aisle and your life has changed forever. And yes, it is changed forever. But then there's this process of transformation and growth that takes time. And so the readying of the bride, we've talked about it for so long, but we are being readied each and every day in this process as he transforms our life. And um, so it, it, it is an every single day thing. And, and even as he talked about transitions at the beginning, this transition time is readying us. But it really boils down. I don't know about you, but my own, my own testimony of this being ready is to really begin to operate in only a kingdom existence. It's just like when Jesus came. Everything he did was to introduce that the kingdom of God is at hand through relationship with him. And we actually mentioned it this morning in the women's class. That was what it was about, was, you know, our five human senses cannot dictate our lives, or we will be off course every time. If, if it's always my human sight, then I am going to wrestle against flesh and blood. If it's always my human um, hearing, then I'm going to miss the voice of God. I'm just going to hear a bunch of humans. And, and so we've got to basically crucify our flesh and surrender these five senses in our humanity and take on the spirit man senses, which allows us to then really know what is actually going on in the kingdom realm. And to me, that transformation fully into kingdom living is the ultimate readying where you really do see God in every situation. It, it doesn't even, ha right now we, we're training ourselves and, and God's teaching us um, to, when we're doing something perhaps mundane or something we do every day, to remember I've got to ask God to be part of it. But he's going to so transform us that we don't have to have that consciousness to pray and include him. It's just going to be we breathe him in, we exhale him out. We breathe him in, and then we respond him because he's just in there. It's just like we're fully transformed kingdom. That is really what will make us fully ready. And the more we become like that, the less we become of this world. Um, I, I know, and, and I spoke with somebody yesterday. They're here. They know who they are. But where they mentioned that so many things God's showing them, he's just showing them vapor. That's just vapor. You know, we know scripture says life is but a vapor. Appeareth for a little while and then vanishes away. And when God begins to show you the temporary reality of this human realm, you know, we're really, when we're saved, we become a new creation, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that, that's what I desire so much. I want the mind of Christ. I want 
to live in that place. And, and it's a battle. It's really a battle to, to surrender my humanity and think kingdom, think like him. But that is, the more you do that each and every day, um, you'll grow and you'll be ready. And there's nothing like trying to be organized, <laughs> trying to be an organized person, and going through this transition time of things not being set up, especially when you know that maybe God's given you a skill set to be organized. And things are just, no matter how hard you try, they just kind of turn upside down. And you learn all kinds of things. You learn humility. You learn patience. Um, you learn that God's in control. You learn what not to really let so derail you and upset you that it ruins your attitude towards everybody around you. You know, like we, we are constant. God knows exactly the process he has to take us through to get us to be transformed. And I will tell you, one of your indicators that you might be struggling is if you're just not into it. Yeah, I just, yeah, I hear you, but I just, I don't know. I just don't know that I care. Take that to the Lord. If there's not a burning desire and passion for him, it's okay to take that to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to, I'm asking you to Give me the desire to want you more. Because sometimes my flesh and my own reality and my own pursuits are just stronger. And I'm just not into it. Be honest with him. Because what that means is that the flesh is just more predominant in your life. You're pursuing the things in this realm that you think you need. And Jesus was tempted in the exact same way. Turn, this, turn these stones into bread. Take matters into your own hands. And get the sustenance that you know your body needs because you've been hungry for 40 days. And Jesus said, what did he say? He said, kingdom. He looked right at the enemy and said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Those are the ways that we're ready. When we begin to see that every desire he gives us, when we, first of all, when we delight in him, he'll give us the right desires. I just wake up and ask him every day. Lord, get my head straight. Tell me what to want. Because if you just wake up, if you ever woke up, they say on the wrong side of the bed, you just I just woke up. If you don't start your day with him, then literally the pursuit of your day can be completely in the wrong direction. And you will be dissatisfied, 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 and you'll go, what in the world happened to my day? It's because every desire was carnal. But not, not necessarily sinful even, but just carnal of the human realm. It wasn't delighting in him. Letting him give you what to desire because he's ready to fulfill every desire that he gives. That's what being ready is. When that transformation process is done, we are ready. That's exciting. And it's only him that can do it. And I love when I can see how many people that God is doing that in. I love seeing people's growth. That There's nothing more exciting than to see where they were and how far they've come and how unrecognizable they are. And they're, it's their, their mind is blown. And sometimes when you see that, you need to speak that over them because the enemy always loves to bring up our past. And, and sometimes we need to encourage people and say, wow, I've seen your growth. I've seen your, I've seen your, your, your strength. But man, you reacted so well. You just reacted God in that situation. And I remember back when, when that wasn't the case, and you're totally different now. Encourage people because we do need to remember that um, 
Sometimes people need to hear that because they can't see that because the enemy is constantly barking at them because the enemy wants to keep them where they are. He hates when that transformation happens. But um, it's exciting to to just um, see what God does, and he does want us to be ready. So don't let that word just kind of, okay, heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it. If you react that way, red flag, you may need to get more ready. (laughs) If hearing about being ready doesn't excite you and make you lean into hearing it, it may be that that's an indicator that you're not quite ready. Because those words will excite you no matter how many times you've heard them. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this reminder. Oh God, I just pray in the name of Jesus this morning that no one hearing this message will allow their heart to become cold to where in any way by shrinking back in our faith we will ever lose what we have learned because of the the hardening of deception that can come upon us when we decide not to believe and take further steps that you're asking. God, I just pray that you would continue to keep our hearts pliable, to to begin to see more and more by faith your ways that are higher than our ways. God, help us to see, open our eyes, open our ears, our spirit man's ears and eyes, that we might see your ways and your kingdom in everything, that we might seek first the kingdom and your righteousness and that beautiful place where we can have that fellowship and hear your voice and have this amazing fellowship with you. And that is where everything else is added. You know what we need of before we even have need of it, as you say earlier than verse 33 in Matthew 6, that surely if you'll clothe the birds and you'll feed them, how much more will you not give us everything that we need? So God, I just pray that you'd remind us each and every day that when we seek you, we will find you and find all of our needs met. So God, I just pray that that readying would be the pursuit of our hearts every single day. Because there is no greater prize than knowing you more, than loving you more, than hearing you more. Than hearing the words that you speak over us as to who we are. Oh God, speak over us and open our ears to hear how, how intentional you were when you made each and every one of us. That love, oh God, that the enemy comes against so strong. He doesn't know anything of love and he tries to attack it. God, encourage hearts today that need to be reminded of who they are, who, who perhaps are pursuing the things of this vapor life and they're coming up empty every single time. Because there is nothing that this world offers that will fulfill us. How could it possibly fulfill what you created when you are the one that is the filler of all of our needs as our creator? So God, I just pray you just fill us up. Fill us up. Fill our cup because it's emptied out each day as we pour out. Lord, let us refill it with you. And I just praise you, God. I just love you. Thank you for speaking. I pray that everyone heard your voice because even though it was a, it was a word that you put in Greg's mouth today, it's, it's customized for each of us as your Holy Spirit it lands on each of us. And I just love that. I love you can take a word from one person 
and take it to the masses in a custom way, speaking over us exactly what we need in that very moment. Oh, God, you are so awesome. You are so personal. Thank you. Thank you for not only being my king, but my friend. I love you, Lord. We give you the praise today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen.